Hello, my name's Nick Reinberger, and welcome to day three of Five Days in Nashville. Today you're going to meet a couple of musical legends. One's an Australian who's probably one of our most successful international songwriters. The other is an American country music producer who had not-so-humble beginnings as the keyboard player for Elvis Presley. Now, when you think of Australian songwriters, you probably know the names of Vander and Young or Farris and Hutchins. But what about John Capek? What if I told you he's written for Bonnie Raitt, Joe Cocker, Cher, Diana Ross and Rod Stewart and had one of his songs become the unofficial anthem of Scotland? Yes, that song. The climax of the 2014 Glasgow Commonwealth Games, seen by over a billion people and still yelled in pubs in Scotland to this day. It's a true anthem. John started in Sydney, but he's been based in LA and Toronto. Naturally, he's now moved to Nashville. I asked him to remind me how many people saw Rod Stewart sing his biggest hit. 1.5 billion, yeah. So if there's a pinnacle, <laughs> I, I think it was that. My, my partner on the song was backstage with Rod. Apparently he's never been more nervous in his life than when he had to sing this song, particularly because the Queen was in the audience. <laughs> and anyway, the, the, the video is pretty incredible, you know, watching an entire uh, stadium knowing every word of, of my song and singing along. So it's, it's a wonderful... Uh, So how did you end up in Nashville? As the music business, and particularly the songwriting business, started to collapse with uh, streaming, Mm -hmm. and uh, as technology changed the trajectory, I was coming to Nashville to write on writing trips and also have a really good friend here who has these incredible jam sessions at his house. So I got to play, not with Mick Jagger, but with some pretty amazing players and the best virtuoso musicians are here in Nashville so I got to play with these people and uh, I kept coming back kept coming back and as the music business started to do what it's doing I just decided to move here and uh, you know packed up I sold my house and, and we've been here around six years we've been here permanently An interesting thing, there's a saying that L.A., for a musician, if you move to L.A., a musician, songwriter, producer, is a five-year town. It takes you five years to get connected, uh, if you're any good. They say Nashville is a 10-year town. So I'm just on my 10 years, and I just feel like I'm making some serious headway. Really? Even with your pedigree, with writing for these international hits mm. still takes 10 years to really get you where you want to go is that right in fact that pedigree uh, writing those international hits is something of a uh, detractor really? because it's of a genre that doesn't really apply in nashville Nashville is three chords in the truth, or as I call it, three chords in the alternative truth. <laughs> 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 because I kind of don't believe in it, but, but 
that, that is very much what's called for here. And I've continued on my own, beating, you know, beating my own drum and, and, and just doing what's true for me. Right, John, let's talk a little bit about the mechanics of songwriting. You've just put a book in front of me here called How to Write a Hit Song Without Really Trying. How do you start to teach someone the art of songwriting? Usually my opening comment when I'm running a workshop is when I go into my studio in the morning, turn on my computer and put my pencils and paper uh, in order, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Not a clue. And I don't want to know. The secret is the blank slate, to be open to the universe, to really be open to whatever. There is the song of the moment, the song of the day, the song of uh, the, the zeitgeist. And the concept of a blank slate, of not knowing and not wanting to know, is, is probably the most difficult concept for any aspiring songwriter to embrace. They want to know the rules. Mm. The rules are don't be boring. And be true to yourself, you know, find out what, what, what you want to express. The other part of it really is that um, this is a genre that has form and structure. A painting is a, generally a rectangle. Mm. A piece of sculpture is bound by the size of the stone. You start cutting away at that. So a, a popular song is generally, you know, of course there are exceptions, but it's three minutes long, it has a verse, a chorus. Well, you know, that's all very simple. They all sound like nursery rhymes. They don't have a lot of chords. They don't have a lot of lyrical invention. So how do you create something that's going to go out to 1.5 billion people unless you can embrace some truths? Um, it is going to be three minutes long. It's going to have a chorus. How do you make that great? Well, uh, you open yourself up to what is true for you and express it in some artistic or way that has some beauty, some aesthetic, uh, and some communicative aspects that are really, really hard to do, and you can spend a lifetime chasing that. Do you think that's what makes a difference with the songs that resonate with artists, that you've found some essential truth? Absolutely. And uh, you know, Rhythm of My Heart would be an example mm -hmm. of that. It, it's become an anthem. So the object of the exercise for me is to create anthems, to create something that's anthemic, that transcends genre, that transcends era, that, that's just there forever. Spontaneity is great for a moment, and then the work begins. So, you know, there's nothing religiously, you know, tremendous about spontaneity. Uh, everybody can, you know, do something wonderful for a mm. minute, but how, do, how you make it last... Some of my songs have taken six months to write. It's one of the reasons I've had a hard time in Nashville, because Nashville writers write three songs a day. And uh, I found it very difficult to embrace that culture. It takes me much, much longer. It's, for me, an anthem is created uh, by attending to fine detail. This is Five Days in Nashville. I'm Nick Reinberger. Let's chat to another legend, an American this time. Tony Brown has done it all. Multiple Grammys as a musician and producer, record company executive, 
and the founder of the Americana movement through his work with people such as Steve Earle and Lyle Lovett. I married her just because she looks like you. Tony met me at the offices of Dead Horse Branding in Nashville. I was first hired by Elvis himself to play around his house when he wanted to sing gospel songs. And they'd call me and say, he's in Beverly Hills, flat L.A., check in, we'll call you when he gets up. That's kind of a sweet gig at first, but then I wanted to be on tour. And so eventually he put us on tour to open the show. And after we sang our two songs, I would go sit behind his piano player, Glenn D. Harden, and watch the rest of the show. And a year and a half into the gig, Glenn D. let me know he was leaving the tour to go play with Emmylou Harris for a year. And so I said, man, give me a shot at this gig. I can do it. And I got I got the gig. No rehearsal. <laughs> but, but it was such an easy gig, you know, pretty much banging the piano. And James Burton had pretty much the whole show. So it, it was a fun gig. I mean, there's nothing quite as exciting as playing the 2001 Space Odyssey the first night you're playing for the TCB band. I mean, that's like a rush you've never had before. Now, in the same way as he kind of invented a genre, I know you were one of the people that almost founded what we now call Americana. How would you define that? What is Americana? Americana is roots music that's not played on country radio. And that's where like people like Bonnie Raitt end up now. Robert Plant with a record with Alison Krauss yeah. ended up there. Booker T. Jones. So it's basically a place for artists, mainly singer-songwriters, or roots music, there's a saying, if you have a number one record, you have an experience. And if you have an audience, you have a career. <laughs> you know, and so that's exactly, you know, Lyle love it. When I, did, I signed Lyle, I remember some A&R person from RCA asked me, who's going to play that? I said, somebody will. And uh, now that Americana is actually, back in those days, it was just starting to become a genre. And then it's, it became a, a genre in the Grammys. They actually had a, Americana Grammy and then Billboard had an Americana chart but when I did Lyle and Steve it was just a tag they gave those artists I would play those kind of records at my house you know like at the party and somebody says what is Americana I said it's the kind of music if you're a record producer that you play at your parties that everybody goes what is that <laughs> I mean Steve Earle's Guitar Town took 10 years to go gold but in Rolling Stone this year, I saw an article that said the 100 best records of the 80s. And in that list was Madonna, Thriller, Springsteen, Born in the USA, Peter Gabriel, Talking Heads, Prince, and number 79 was Steve Earle, Guitar Town, and 93 was Lyle Lovett's first record. I thought, it just means a lot because I don't want to go be a whore and just take any gig I can and phone it in. Like I want to be excited. And it's been fun, man. I, people ask me, do I miss playing? I said, no, because I live through the musicians on my record. You can smell a whiskey burning down Copperhead Road. Hey. 
That's a little Steve Earle to finish off my chat with Tony Brown. Next time on Five Days in Nashville, we'll go behind the scenes with some of the Australian producers, promoters and advisors who are so important to an artist's career. I'm Nick Reinberger. Chat to you later. Oh, everybody thinks they're the next big thing. Everybody thinks they're the